in the moment I was like, oh my gosh, this is because you're on psilocybin. Like I never was unaware of the fact that I had taken psilocybin, but I was just like, wow, this is an interesting experience of life. Hello and welcome to All The Things Podcast. I'm your host, Regina Lawrence. I am a former trial attorney turned entrepreneur, breathwork and sound meditation practitioner, as well as the owner of a boutique social media marketing agency called All The Things Social. I believe that as human beings, we get to be all of the things. Brilliant, soulful, sexual, wildly inappropriate. We don't have to live in the boxes society tries to put us in. We get to be all of the things. On this show, you'll hear from some of my favorite humans and friends in a variety of spaces, including spirituality, business and branding, holistic health, sexuality, and neuroscience. This is a space for truly candid, soulful conversations with the goal of empowering you to be all of the things. Let's dive in. Wait, is it Thanksgiving already? You know what that means? It means it's Black Friday. And as a avid consumer, who would I be to not offer my Breathe with Regina membership at a discount? As you guys know, Breathwork is my main modality. It's my favorite thing. It has brought me the deepest healing and the deepest clarity in my life. And because of that, I created a Breathwork membership called Breathe with Regina. It is two virtual Breathwork sessions live with me and with the group a month. There's also a library of breathwork experiences, sound experiences, and guided meditation by yours truly. For Black Friday, from Friday to Monday, I am offering, instead of $44 a month, I'm offering it for $30 a month. That's right, baby. Two virtual breathwork sessions, a library of beautiful content for you to help get yourself into that peaceful, clear headspace. Go to breathewithregina.com, sign up, and use the promo code Black Friday. That's right, breathewithregina.com, promo code Black Friday. I can't wait to have you in the membership. You can cancel at any time if it doesn't feel aligned for you. See you in the membership. Who wants to talk about plant medicine on a Monday morning? I know I do. So, In the first episode, I had talked about the fact that this year was so different for me because a lot of change has happened. And as a part of my healing work, um, plant medicine and breath work have been a really big part of it. Also, like I look like a pilot today. I tried to get the other microphone, if you're watching this on YouTube, to work and I can't. I don't know. I need a new cord or something. Anyway, I digress. So I wanted to start to share episode by episode about my plant medicine journeys and why I went the route of plant medicine, what I did in preparation, and what the experience has been like. So just as like a back, some background information, I, my whole life did zero drugs. Like I barely even drank like so little, like once in college, I have like a blackout drunk story. And honestly, it was so bad my freshman year. Like I was like, drinking is not for me. Drinking, I've never done well with alcohol is the reality of it. 
I've just gone through periods of my life where I have drank so much that it felt normal. And I felt like I was conditioning myself to be able to handle alcohol, but really like I was just numbing my own body. Um, part of the reason why I've never been a big drinker and why drugs have never been appealing to me is because I've come from a super addict family, like very functional addicts, um, varying degrees of addiction, but I grew up seeing and experiencing a lot of behaviors that I didn't quite understand, but knew I wanted nothing to do with that. Um, I often spent a lot of my childhood feeling like, how did I get here? How did I end up in this family? Um, and I love my family. Like, I was very loved. My parents always showed me a lot of love. My siblings, for the most part, showed me a lot of love. I was just loved in the way that they were able to love me. Was it always the most most nurturing or nourishing love? No, but I know that, and I believe that I was loved to the best of all of their abilities. Um, but in that, I felt like I I just felt like an outsider in my own family. I've spent a lot of my life feeling like, how did I end up in these relationships and things? Like, I've just felt like an outsider a lot. That's a long way to say I witnessed a lot of things and I stayed far away from drugs and alcohol in my formative years. I also had friends who were like good girls. We went to an all girls Catholic high school. Like we were not having sex in high school. We were very like straight edge people. And so I also more backstory is that because I grew up with addicts, I have always been really comfortable with addicts and it's, you know, our comfort level with certain types of men. And I'm speaking romantically, um, our comfort level with people in romance is oftentimes a mirror of what we grew up comfortable with. So like growing up in my family, I was always the codependent fixer. I can take care of everything. I'm a safe space. Like, let me be the fixer. And I realized that in that type of personality, I was attracting and attracted to addicts. And then I was recreating the pattern of the codependent fixer with the men I was calling in as partners. Unconsciously, that's what I did. Up until recently in my life, I have become aware of the patterns. I've broken the patterns. I'm still tempted by the patterns, right? Like even when we break a pattern, we still, there's comfort and familiarity with it. And so I definitely have had, um, you know, comfort with that as well. So um, that's kind of my background and my connection to drugs and alcohol. And so I had a boyfriend, I had a fiance actually, and you know, I was already put off by drugs and alcohol, but I was in a relationship with an addict, a functional addict, a good human. But when I was with him, he was in the throes of addiction and nobody was saying it except for his mom. His mom pulled me aside at one point and said, are you sure you want to marry my son? She was like, he has, he has substance abuse issues. 
And I loved his mom so much. And I remember her saying that thinking, wow, if she's saying this, like, this is, this is something I need to consider. And so in that relationship, he would get really drunk all the time. And I was mad and annoyed and anxious and put off by drinking, but also like I stayed in that relationship and there was a part of me that was addicted to the chaos. He was like the guy we'd break up and get back together, break up, get back together, get engaged, break up, call off the wedding, like the drama, (laughs) the drama of that relationship. Um, And I was addicted to it and I was codependent. I wanted to fix him. I, I always prided myself on seeing the greatness in men. Oh, But if he could just realize his greatness, and I thought that was like a good quality of myself, like, oh, if he could just see how special he is, like, it's really interesting. So I had that relationship. And the summer before we broke up, I stayed with him a lot through the summer while I was studying for the bar exam. And we were long distance. And in staying with him for the summer, I realized that he would get up every morning and like smoke out to like start his day. And so I'm like looking at this guy. I'm like, he obviously has an alcohol problem. He's getting high, like a su- wake and bake, like as soon as he gets up. And no offense if that that's part of your routine. Like I'm not throwing shade at that. It was just like this particular person and all of the patterns of behavior together, the drinking, the wake and bake. There was a lot of addictive um, pieces of this man. And I started to put them together and I was like, I don't think I want to marry this person. And so that relationship made me feel like, ugh, about cannabis. And it made me feel like, ugh, about alcohol. So then we broke up. And then after we broke up, I started dating a guy who I was with for almost seven years. And he was like love of my life, best friend type of energy with this human. Um, He's such a special human. and. he loved to smoke cannabis. I was still carrying when I reflect on it, like the weight of that first relationship and also like the memories of my childhood. And so I just wasn't into the fact that he smoked a lot of pot and had some judgments about it. And, um, you know, there were parts of him that I felt were quite addicted. Um, I saw how the amount of cannabis he was smoking was having an impact on like lots of areas of his life and I didn't like it. So during that almost seven year relationship, I would go through periods of time where I drank and didn't drink um, and never really smoked. It just like freaked me out. Fast forward to moving to Arizona, quit my job as a lawyer, move to Arizona, start a new business. Um, and I really start going on this like deep soulful journey. And I've said this to you guys before breath work was my first like gateway drug into, into flam medicine. And I've told this story. I think I told it on the breath work episode. I don't know if it'll be out by the time you guys hear this, but I was in breath work and I was just breathing in and out through my mouth and had these like prolific downloads about my life, about my soul, about what I came here to do, about all of the things. And so 
that was like my first taste of a psychedelic experience. So something that can happen when you are breathing so intensely is that DMT is released in the brain. DMT has a psychedelic effect. It's not as much as if you're actually um, ingesting or smoking Bufo or 5-MeO-DMT, which I'll talk about in another episode. Um, DMT is the chemical that's released in the body in a large amount when you're born and when you die. And so breath work gives you a glimpse when you do it intensely of that. And so I started to play around with the psychedelic effects of my own breath and realized that I was also never interested in smoking cannabis or marijuana or edibles because that meant that I would be losing control. And I have had a lifetime of living under the delusion that control is real. So control is not a real thing. It's a construct of the mind that you can control something. Like the only thing that I have control of is how I say things, how I think about some things. Other things are operating on the background of your unconscious mind, right? But even then we have control about going in and changing that stuff. Um, So I have control over how I react and respond to things and how I like move through my life, but I can't control other people. I can't control the outcome of every situation, but I lived in such a tense, like tight state trying to control everything to the point where I could be really manipulative because when you're manipulating something, you are taking, trying to take control of things. And so I realized that through breathwork, control was a major issue of mine. And so I started to work on that and unravel that and play with that and release control from a deep part of myself on a cellular level from a lot of meditation, a lot of breathwork, and a lot of introspection in the white space. And so in this breathwork journey, I one night decided to eat an edible. I was living with my best friend and um, he had these like sleepy time indica edibles. So I eat this edible and it was so peaceful. And also I started to hallucinate, but the interesting thing happened in my hallucinations on THC. I knew that I was hallucinating and I like laughed through it. And that was like a very big breakthrough moment for me. It was a moment where I was like, oh, you have no control over what's happening right now and you're okay with it. Huh. This is interesting. So that experience with THC and with psychedelics, with a psychedelic experience on THC, really opened my eyes to maybe exploring psychedelics. So that's what led me up to deciding to have my first psychedelic experience. Um, and, And after that THC hallucinating experience, I started to play with THC in edible form more and just see how that felt and, you know, 
kind of played in that space a little bit and started to get really comfortable. So after that, I was dating someone and we had been talking a lot about mushrooms. And also all around me, my friends are sitting in ceremony with mushrooms, microdosing, doing a lot of different things. And I'll get into that later. I'll talk about my big experiences with psychedelics and then my microdosing experiences because I've been microdosing for about five months now. So the first time I sit with psilocybin, I go to a friend who has a beautiful source of it. She gives me information about how to consume it, how much I should be taking. She doses it for us. And me and the guy that I'm dating decide that we're going to spend an afternoon with psilocybin. So it wasn't really ceremony, but it was like, let's like set a container and do this together. Um, It was also an interesting time because it was a relationship that my soul knew was not serving me, but my human was like holding on. And there was like a part of me that like wanted to save this person and wanted to help him and wanted to fix him. And he is the last man that I've dated where I've had that intention. Um, It became so apparent in that relationship. And I have since been able to break that pattern. Or if I see that pattern coming up, I'm able to quickly shift it and end the relationship. So that was like pivotal for me. But so going into this psilocybin experience with him, I told myself one thing. This experience is for you. Whatever happens to him during this experience, whatever he is going through, this is not yours to fix. I was like starting to become very aware of this in the relationship. So we take the psilocybin, it's ground up. We add it to some orange juice because apparently the enzymes in citrus help to kind of pre-digest, I think is the way you would say it psilocybin. So that way when you consume it, it hits your system faster. So we had the orange juice psilocybin concoction and we were inside. And I just remember as the mushrooms started to hit, I started to get these beautiful visuals of color and light and art. And there was music playing And I just remember thinking, this is what they mean when they say you can taste color. Like it was so beautiful and primal and tribal. And there were so many images and visuals. And I remember laying on his couch with my eyes closed, just like really in the medicine. And I was like, wow, this is really beautiful. Like this is, this is like, the most beautiful human experience I've ever had. And while I'm in this experience, excuse me, a little cinnamon in my throat. Um, While I'm in this experience, mm, I hear him crying his eyes out. Like, and this is a man that like is very military, doesn't show emotion, very stoic. And I hear him having like a deep release And in my head, I, my first reaction was like, Ooh, and then my higher self said, no girl, this isn't about him. He has to move through whatever that is in his own way. And you get to do this for you. 
And because in that moment, while he's experiencing whatever is leading him to cry, um, I am experiencing the greatest sensation of peace and joy and bliss. And it was really beautiful. And so psilocybin, when you take it, it comes in waves. So like there's moments where you're like, am I still on the medicine or is it gone? And like it would come in waves. Actually, the way that I would know if I was still rolling on the psilocybin was, you know how on the roof or the roof, the ceilings of apartments and buildings, there's a vent that the air can come out of. When the psilocybin was rolling through me, the vent would like be breathing and moving. (laughs) Um, that's how I knew it was still activated in my system. So I just started to have like these really blissful moments and experiences. And I had these visuals of like my little child. I went back to like little Regina and I just felt like I was a seven-year-old on a swing like swinging and feeling the most beautiful experience of joy, like so much so that it moved me to tears. That's the only time I cried. Um, it was really, really beautiful. It brought me back to like, and, and my takeaway from it, because also I remembered everything that happened when I was on the medicine. My takeaway from it was you need to find more joy in your life, like lock this feeling in your body because you get to feel like this all the time, but it's a choice. And also that level of freedom that children experience comes from letting go of control, letting go, and like just letting things flow and be. And so that was like such a beautiful awareness for me. Um, I also had some really funny moments. Um, on psilocybin so whatever you focus on is whatever you focus on right like all of your attention goes to that and if you want to change the frame you just have to focus on something else so I and this has happened since then I am always afraid that I'm going to pee my pants I don't know why Like you become very aware of the fact, like if you have to go to the bathroom, it becomes really heightened. At least it does for me. And so I, um, I remember sitting on his couch and like feeling the sensation of like, do I have to pee? Do I not have to pee? Do I have to go to the bathroom? Do I have to go to the bathroom? Am I going to the bathroom? Am I peeing myself? Oh my gosh, wait, do I know how to go to the bathroom? Like I went down this rabbit hole of like, do I have to go to the bathroom? And then I went to the bathroom and while I'm in the bathroom, I'm like, am I sitting on the toilet? Is the toilet sit down? Like, am I peeing on the floor? Like there was all of these things that like were just funny. And in the moment I was like, oh my gosh, this is because you're on psilocybin. Like I never was unaware of the fact that I had taken psilocybin, but I was just like, wow, this is an interesting experience of life. The other thing that happened was when I went to the bathroom, I looked in the mirror and I saw myself and I was like, this is what you look like. Oh my gosh. Like so happy and so proud of like the way I look and the body I inhabit. And like, I don't, that's not my, like, I don't always feel like that, you know, but I just felt so good about my entire existence on psilocybin. Like to the point where I said to the guy I was with, um, 
I told him what happened in the bathroom and he's like, you're not supposed to look in the mirror. Like when you're on psilocybin, like people can have horrible experiences. I was like, not me. I fucking love the way I look. I love how I feel. I love myself. So that was like really just like a beautiful experience and like just funny moments. Um, There was another moment where we were sitting on his couch and behind his TV is this um, aerial view of the streets of New York. And as I'm looking at it, all of a sudden the cars that are on the streets are all moving and the city is like bustling and breathing. And I'm looking at it like staring. And then he comes over and he's staring. And we both were like, do you see that? Like, do you see the bustling? And so that was like such a cool such a cool experience. The art on the wall was like coming to life and we could see it on the floor, you know, like the different psychedelic effects were really interesting. Um, it was also interesting because that experience was the thing that led that relationship to end. Um, one of the big things. So I had mentioned he had cried the whole time. And I remember there was like moments on psilocybin where I looked at him and I was like, wow, like you have the most beautiful face. Like you're so handsome. And I said that to him and he was like, you know, he received it and that was kind of it. And I just remember saying that to him and feeling like, I don't know, like, you know, when, when you realize like the person you care about, like doesn't care about you back like you care about them like the feelings are not reciprocated in the way that you would want them reciprocated in a romantic relationship that became like so clear the other thing I had perfume on a little bit I always wear like a little bit of perfume and he made a comment while we were on psilocybin that like I can't be near the smell of you I can't handle the smell of you and I remember like my only sad moment was like him saying that because it was like this total realization that, oh, he doesn't even like the way I smell. <laughs> I'm laughing about it now, but in the moment I was like, oh, he doesn't think I'm beautiful. He doesn't like the way I smell. And I just realized like there were so many things missing and I was holding on to something that like, I shouldn't have been holding on to. So that was like my dark twisty moment of psilocybin, but it wasn't about the medicine. The medicine just made what was more apparent. Um, and then all of a sudden, like after five hours, I think I had two and a half grams. I think he had three or three and a half grams. After about five hours, I was laying in bed, looking out the window at a building in trees and all of a sudden, like, it was gone. And I was fully back in my body. And I was like, wow. So I went on this journey and came back and had just seen life through a very different lens. That first experience shaped my understanding and my relationship and my connection to psilocybin. Um, and so I've had a few big experiences like that, that have been like, just so beautiful. I've never had a bad trip. 
I also don't take psilocybin in a party setting. It's only in in a space with intention being set. Um, And I think your intention has the biggest impact on any trip you have with any substances. Um, And then, yeah, so I've had lots of big experiences with psilocybin. And it's been a beautiful teacher. It offers me time and space for introspection. It takes away a layer of like my human, like my 3D, so that I can connect to myself in a greater way. I can connect to God and the universe in a greater way. And it's so potent. So because I had such a, I've had such great experiences, I started to become very curious about microdosing. Microdosing, if you're not familiar, is when you take a really, really small dose of psilocybin a couple days a week. There's different splits you can do. I like to take mine Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and take off Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, So I decided, oh, this cat is all up in my shit in front of me on the desk. Excuse me, sir. Richard. Always has to make an appearance during the podcast. Excuse me, sir. Sorry, guys. Okay, Richard is gone. Um, So microdosing. So I had wanted to start to microdose for the benefits of focus and for anxiety. Um, I historically have had bouts. I've had huge bouts of anxiety through my life. It actually, I thought was my personality trait. Like I just thought I was an anxious, high maintenance human. And then I started to dive into my conscious and unconscious mind, my habits and behaviors, how I was raised, just all of the things that have helped me uncover my stress and anxiety. And I realized that for me, it was something I could change. It would take a lot of work, a lot of energy, but I energetically now at 36, I'm a completely different person than I was at 30. Like, and a huge part of that is the lack of anxiety and anxious energy that I no longer carry in my body. Um, So that, but I still have anxious moments in my life and my business. And... I sometimes lack focus and attention and I was never diagnosed with ADD. I don't know that I would say I have ADD. I am somebody who's doing a lot of things at one time and I'm a manifesting generator. So I'm excited about new ideas and I'm a creative and I'm like, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? So I don't know if you'd say I have ADD or I'm just a hyper excited, creative manifesting generator. Regardless, I have trouble with focusing sometimes. And I had been reading that microdosing would help with that. So I went into a microdosing container with my friend, Christy, who will come on the podcast as a guest soon because she is magic and she has been so helpful and started microdosing four days on three days off. And it has been one of the most potent experiences um, of my life. Immediately. I noticed my ability to pay attention and focused focus for prolonged periods of time. Like in a way I haven't been able to do since I was in law school, it feels like. Um, 
I realized something else that was interesting while I've been microdosing psilocybin. I have had a touch of depression, I think my whole life. And I've never allowed myself to say that or to identify that because I grew up in a home with people who had crippling depression and crippling anxiety, which I think led to a lot of drug use in my family because we had a lot of anxiety and depression. And instead of admitting that I felt depressed or anxious, I would self-medicate with exercise and with movement, which has helped a ton with my, my mental health. It still does. But I realized while taking the microdose that all of a sudden this little cloud that was hanging over my head lifted. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. What is that? Where did it go? Where did it come from? Why was I experiencing that? So what the microdosing has done, it has illuminated things about myself. And once you see something, you can't unsee it. And then it has made me ask the question, what is that thing? And why am I seeing it now? Right? So I've had to sit with, why am I depressed? Where does that come from? It also, in helping me have um, the like new ability to like focus and concentrate, I realized that things I was procrastinating, I was actually procrastinating because there was something about that that gave me anxiety. So for example, all my supplements I take at night, I all of a sudden was like taking them with ease, like not even thinking twice about it. In the past, I'd be like, oh, there's 20 supplements I need to take. I don't know if I want to do this. Well, I'd like make up a story instead of just taking the 30 seconds and take the supplements. And I realized there's little areas of my life that I do that, which maybe is surprising to people because I, for some reason, people think that like I have it all together and I don't. <laughs> I mean, I like to look put together, but like I'm, there are areas of my life that I have hot mess moments. And that was illuminated by the psilocybin because all of a sudden with the microdose, those hot mess moment things have become less and less. So yeah, I would say the biggest things are my product productivity, my depression, my ability to focus and like my anxiety have been helped to be lessened through this microdosing journey. I can't recommend it enough. I am not a doctor. I am not a medical provider. I have no edu formal education around anything that I'm talking about. I'm just somebody who has had an experience and I'm sharing with you that experience. Um, and these things that have worked for me, I will always share them with you guys. But this is something that you need to look into yourself and use your own discretion. And I'll bring on an expert to talk about psilocybin um, because she will be the one to really share with you the ins and outs of it. She also has a beautiful product that she'll share with you when she comes on the show. Um, but I wanted to first share my perspective on psilocybin and breathwork and like how those two have played an integral part in my journey this year. More to come on plant medicine because I've also sat with Hoppe every day 
for a couple years now, which I'll share about. I have sat with Combo, which I will also share about. And then most recently, I've sat with 5MEO DMT, which I will share all the details about that. But I just wanted to do one episode per medicine so I can really share about my experience. And, you know, I haven't really shared a lot about these experiences with anyone because it's been personal and I've been integrating. And also like, there is a part of me that's like, are people going to be into this? Are they going to judge me? Is it like, of course I have moments like that. I'm a human, but I feel like with this community that you guys would love to know about this. And if you have questions, don't be afraid. Send me a DM at Regina A. Lawrence on Instagram. And, you know, I'll answer anything you guys need to know. Um, I hope that this was interesting and helpful for, for all of you. I will see you next week on the podcast. Please, please, please. If you love this episode, don't forget to take a screenshot, share it in your story, share a great takeaway, tag a friend that maybe would find some benefit from this. Um, Okay. With that, love you guys so much. And I'll see you next week on the podcast. Thank you so much for listening to the show. If you love this episode as much as I loved creating it, please, please, please rate and review on iTunes ever grateful at all the things podcasts. And if you found something inspiring or you know somebody who could benefit from it, please share this to your story, tag us, send it to a friend. So much love, friends. 